0: So I have been making lists, to-do lists, and I don't normally do that. I normally am more uh, free-spirit and see where my nose takes me for the day. But I've been making lists because my mother died July 25th of this year. And I knew it was coming. I had watched her for eight years uh, deteriorate from Alzheimer's disease, and little pieces of her left me through those eight years. My father was her full-time caregiver up until three years ago when his heart simply could not take another day, and he passed away. So the two most important people in my life that love me unconditionally are gone. So I make lists to get out of bed. And I put that list in a different room from my bed because what I really want to do is lay in that dark room, curled up in the fetal position. I don't want to talk to anybody, and that's a big thing because I love to talk. (laughs) I don't want to see anybody, and I love to see people. I don't want to go anywhere, and I love to travel. My list might have some typical things that everybody's list has, you know, like, do the laundry, and wash the dishes, and go to the gym. I don't know if that gets crossed off very often. (laughs) But it also has some unusual things, like get music for the show write the show. (laughs) (laughs) Untangle Mango the marionette. (laughs) Glue Frank the Mouse's eyeball back on. Because I'm a puppeteer. And I've been a professional puppeteer for 11 years here in Portland, (laughs) (laughs) Oregon. And I love it. Uh And my parents are the ones that launched me into this amazing life. I remember when it happened, it was 1977 in Spokane, Washington, at the Interstate Fairgrounds. It was a Renaissance Fair and we were there because my mother sold antiques and crafts and she had a booth and she was going to peddle her wares for three days and I was five years old. I remember thinking how cool it was because adults were walking around dressed as lords and ladies and knights and princesses and kings. And I remember seeing people walk around with the biggest (laughs) drumstick I had ever seen. And my five-year-old mind was like, those are some big chickens. (laughs) But the most fabulous thing about that new renaissance, that renaissance fair was the puppet tent. There was a puppet theater, and when you walked inside the flaps of the tent, you could smell musty odor of hay bales that were covered in blankets for the audience to sit. And as you made your way down the hay bale aisle, there was this great, big puppet theater with a window that seemed so far away. And wonderful red velvet curtains. And I was mesmerized. They did shows every day, every other hour for the full three days, and I don't think I missed a show. When those puppets popped through that magical window, I couldn't believe it. There were my imaginary friends alive, and talking, and talking back to me, and I remember thinking it was so much cooler than TV because they listened to me. Do you think I should call for the fish? Yes! came, the puppeteers would come out and take their bow, and I was like, do it again! (laughs) And they knew my name, you know, after the first date. And by the end of that fair, I had convinced my mother, well, I probably much said I insist that I get a puppet, uh, which was just a couple doors down from her booth anyway. And it started a lifelong fascination with puppets and muppets, And Sesame Street, I was obsessed. And the parents that I had gave every whim and fancy that I had. They treated me. And my father was like, well, you need a puppet theater. So he built me this puppet theater. It was particle board, super heavy, and painted white. And my mom sewed pink silk curtains, and it had a little drawstring so I could open and close it, and my mom made me a sign that said, the Strawberry Patch Puppet Theater by Miss Penny, and I was pretty lucky because my mom had an antique shop, and uh, so uh, they put the puppet theater, I guess it was a babysitting tool, but whatever, in the back (laughs) corner, and when other kids came in shopping with their parents, I would put on shows and the first one I did was The Fisherman and His Wife, and I had a little record player, uh, 45, and I was before karaoke so I would play music and my puppets would (laughs)
1: lip-sync. Sixteen
0: tons, what do you get, another day older and deeper in debt, say Peter don't you come because I won't go. The company store. They <laughs> told you I'd do that. So it was great, and I was the most popular kid in school because I had the coolest toys up until sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> and then puppets weren't cool, playing with dolls were not cool and I had to leave them at home and not bring them to school anymore because middle schoolers are cruel. (laughs) I still love them, but in high school different things took over like makeup and fashion and hair. (laughs) My parents, again, bought me whatever I wanted. And when I went to college they supported me through that too, 101 everything. (laughs) And it took me until I was 28 years old to figure out that I wanted to be an elementary teacher. And I was student teaching in a classroom, kindergarten classroom, and I remembered, oh, when I was five years old, I remember puppets were cool. (laughs) So I got this little squirrel puppet and I put him on my hand and I took him into the classroom and it was amazing how this puppet took on a whole, the end of my arm was a completely different identity and it was magical and I loved it and the kids loved it and I loved it so much that I ended up doing my master's thesis on teaching with puppets. And the puppets taught all day long for the three years that I was in the Portland Public System, and pretty soon I decided that I just wanted to do puppets 24-7. So I quit that paycheck and that health insurance, (laughs) (laughs) and I jumped off that cliff, and even though my father did balk a little bit, not my mom, my mom said, You always loved puppets. And my dad was so proud. My daughter's a puppeteer. Not every daddy gets to say that. (laughs) But now they're gone. They're gone. The two people that I could count on to love me, no matter what crazy thing I did, (laughs) are gone. And so I make these lists to get out of bed. And about two weeks ago, on my list, I had a puppet show. Now, you have to realize that in September, it's slow business for puppeteers. The libraries have, uh, are taking a break. Festivals are over till October starts again. And so I only had a few pup- uh, puppet shows in the month of September, which was good because, you know, I wanted to be in bed. But that day, I had particularly a bad night. I didn't sleep very well, very anxious. And I got up and checked the list, and I had a show at a preschool. And the great thing about it was it's a preschool that I have gone to for years. I go there two times a year. The kids know me. I know where to park. I know where to, what room to go in. I know where my extension cord plugs in. It's a good thing. So I, I got in my car. I packed up. I went and I did all those things. I set up. And the kids started coming in. And a few of them know me. Um, they're my puppet peeps. They follow me around town. <laughs> And uh, so they were, like, waving and excited. And I always do a routine before the show, like, you know, we're going to clap and we're going to sing and kind of warm them up. And one of the things that I do right before I go behind the curtain is I have them sing, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And that buys me time to get behind and uh, put the puppets on and get my cassette tape ready. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So... Anyway, so after they sing, um, Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star, their job is to say, wake up puppets. And that's when they do. So I'm back there, my arm's aching. I really just want to cross the show off my list. You know, okay, let's just do the show, go home, go back to my dark little room. But when they get to that last part, and they say, wake I didn't know that about you. I've done this show a lot. And the kids are singing and they're clapping and they're co-creating and it's that wonderful thing that I learned about when I was getting my teacher training. It's that suspension of disbelief, but that's not what I call it. I call it magic and magic is what I have left off that goddamn list. And here it is, it's happening. We're in the moment. We're in the now. We're creating a world together. My heart is pounding. There's sweat rolling off my back. And before I know it, I'm saying, they lived happily ever after. And the kids are like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I pop right out of the back of the screen without even thinking about it. I come to take a bow. And I come up, and there's one little boy.